this is Thurman Hayes, pastor of First Baptist Church of Suffolk, Virginia. We want to welcome you to this message from our services at First Baptist. We're a congregation that is seeking to touch lives through the life-changing power of the gospel. I pray that you'll encounter Christ in his power and love even now as you listen. Thank you, guys. You'll open your Bibles this morning to Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians 5, if you're new today, uh, we are walking through Paul's letter to the church at Ephesus. And we are taking it kind of verse by verse, and we have worked our way up through to chapter 5. And we're going to begin in verse 5 today and walk through verse 14. We, We looked last week at verses 5, 6, 7, and part of verse 8, but we're going to kind of revisit those verses just a little bit and then move on through verse 14 this morning. Ephesians 5, and we're going to begin looking at verse 5. Today, it's, it's, Paul's talking here about living as a child of light. You know, we live, and thank you for the light right then. <laughs> that was nice. We live in a world that is so spiritually dark, don't we? Um, and if the light is going to shine, if the light of Christ is going to shine, it's going to be through his people. And so we're talking today about what that looks like. What does it look like to live as a child of light in a world that's characterized by so much spiritual darkness? So that's what Paul is talking about in this text. So let's look at it. Ephesians 5 and beginning with verse 5, and we'll read through verse 14. He says, for you may be sure of this, that everyone who is sexually immoral or impure or who is covetous, that is an idolater, has no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore do not become partners with them, for at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of the light is found in all that is good and right and true. And try to discern what is pleasing the Lord. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of the things that they do in secret. But when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore it says, awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead. And Christ will shine on you. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the way that it just illumines our minds and our hearts. As the psalmist says, it's it's a light to our feet. It's, It's a lamp to our feet. It's a light to our path. And we pray that you, by the power of the Holy Spirit, would would illumine our minds and hearts to understand your word this morning, to apply it, and to be the light that you've called us to be in a world full of so much darkness. Help us to live as children of light that Christ would shine through us. And we pray it in his name. Amen. The late Chuck Colson of Prison Fellowship tells about a time when he was in the nation of Ecuador talking about prison ministry there in that country and some of the possibilities for it. And as part of that trip, Chuck Colson met with the president of Ecuador at that time, President Borja. And 
the president opened up about his own prison experience. As a young man, he had been part of the fight for democracy in that country, and he was arrested as part of a government crackdown and thrown into prison for three days, solitary confinement, in a room with no windows and no light. And so for three days, he was in just pitch darkness that can really drive a person insane. And just as it was becoming unbearable, he heard the heavy steel door open and a figure came into the room and he could hear them tinkering with something across the room and then they went back out. A few minutes later, that room blazed with light. The person had connected the electricity. And Borja said, from that moment on, my imprisonment had meaning because at least I could see. But more important than the light that we can see with our eyes is the light that Christ brings to the eyes of our hearts, giving our lives a meaning that only he can give. Now, Paul's talking in this text about living as a child of light. And if you're going to live as a child of light in a world that's full of spiritual darkness, there's some things that you need to focus on. First of all, if we're going to be children of light, then don't listen to voices of darkness. Don't listen to voices of darkness. Let's look at verse 5. He says, For you may be sure of this, that everyone who is sexually immoral or impure or who is covetous, that is an idolater, has no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. And as we talked about last week, Paul here is not talking about anybody who's ever committed these sins because many, if not most of the people in this church had come out of all kinds of immoral lifestyles. They had been part of the Gentile culture of first century Ephesus where every kind of immorality that you could think of was not only present but rampant. And so many of the people in this church had come out of these lifestyles, but they had been made new creations in Christ. Paul here in verse 5 is talking about people who persist in a pattern of unrepentant sin in their lives. And, you know, they may have even made some sort of uh, profession of faith in Christ, but their lifestyle says something completely different. And 1 John chapter 3 says this of people like that. It says, no one who abides in him keeps on sinning. No one who keeps on sinning has either seen him or known him. Now listen, we live in a culture today that is trying to basically redefine sin and trying to push us to go along with that redefinition. Don't listen to them. Don't listen to those voices of darkness. Look at what Paul says in verse 6. He says, let no one deceive you with empty words. For because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. So if you're going to live as a child of light, then don't listen to voices of darkness. Second, 
You're going to live as a child of light. Don't partner with those in darkness. He says in verse 7, therefore do not become partners with them. Now, Paul is not here saying that we should not be friends with those who are spiritually lost, with those who are in darkness. Jesus was a friend of sinners. Jesus shared meals with prostitutes and tax collectors and people who were considered to be the worst sinners of his day. He spent quality time with them. He made friends with them. He shared meals with them. With them. And the religious leaders of the day, the Pharisees, uh, hammered him for doing that. Too many Christians in our culture today have followed the example of the Pharisees and not the example of Jesus. And because of that, there is very little or no evangelistic fruit that is coming from their lives. Because if we're going to win people to Christ who don't yet know him, then we have to be around them. I mean, we we can't just, you know, uh, remove ourselves from uh, the culture and the presence of lost people. If we do that, then how are they going to see the light of Christ? And so, as mature believers, we're called to be in the world, but not of the world. We're called to be in the world, but yet not join in or partner with the sins of the world. This is exactly what Jesus prays for the church in the high priestly prayer that he prayed the night before he went to the cross. Look at, at John 17, 15. Jesus prays, and he's praying for us here. He says, I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. So our biggest impact is going to come as we are around people that need the Lord as we make friends with them, as we share meals with them, as we you know, um, show the love of Christ to them and share the gospel with them without joining in their sin and being partners with them in that sense. Third point that we see in this text. If you're going to be a child of light, don't forget who you are. Don't forget who you are. Verse 8, he says, For at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. This is our new identity in Christ. We have been made new. Now, what happens when we, we, we sin? We, it's like we get a sense of spiritual amnesia, and we forget who we are. In the film, The Bourne Identity, Matt Damon plays the role of Jason Bourne, who's a CIA operative who's injured during a secret mission. And when he wakes up, he forgets where he's at. He doesn't even know who he is. And in the film, he meets a young woman named Marie in Switzerland and pays her to give him a ride to Paris. And during the course of this ride, Marie is questioning him. She's trying to figure out who he is. You know, where's this guy coming from? And at one point in desperation, he says to her, I don't know who I am or where I'm going. Listen, you, you can't know where you're going if you don't remember who you are. 
Remember who you are. You are a new creation in Christ. You are light in the Lord. Now, last week we we talked about the importance of, of just remembering this as we grow in Christ. Because we are now united to Christ as believers. And there's a sense in which what happened to Jesus happened to us. If you are in Christ, then you're united to him, and Christ has died. Christ died. That means that you have died. The old you died. Christ was raised, and that means that you have been raised to walk in newness of life. And that's what Romans 6 is all about. He says there, so you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. In other words, this is how you're to think of yourself now. Dead to sin and alive to God in Christ. So he says, let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passions. You, you are alive in Christ. You are not a slave of sin anymore. Sin no longer holds sway over you. It no longer has dominion over you. And so that gives us the power to live differently. So he says, do not present your members, the members of your body, to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and your members to God as instruments for righteousness. For sin will have no dominion over you since you are not under law but under grace. Fourth, if you're going to live as a child of light, don't lose focus. Don't lose focus. Look at verses 8 through 10. He's talking about our focus. Walk as children of light, for the fruit of the light is found in all that is good and right and true, and try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Now listen, this just simplifies life immensely. You know, this just streamlines everything. It strips it down. If we just simply focus on pleasing God. You know, when, when the first President Bush was in office, he brought on a guy to his staff, John Sununu, the former governor of New Hampshire, to be his, his chief of staff. And so... One day the reporters were talking to John Sununu, former governor of, of, of New Hampshire. So he'd come out of politics, and now he was serving as the president's chief of staff. And they asked Sununu, they said, you know, you must have a really difficult job being chief of staff to the president. And Sununu said, well, not really. And the reporters kind of pressed him on that a little more. And Sununu said, well, you see, I only have one constituent now. I only have one man that I'm focused on pleasing, and that was the president. And, and, and as believers, you know, we should live our lives ultimately for an audience of one. It, it all comes down to being focused on simply pleasing God. Second Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 9 says, We make it our aim to please him. In the 2004 Summer Olympics in Athens, Matt Emmons was one shot away from the gold medal in the uh, 50-meter three-position rifle event. 
He only had one more shot. The gold medal was just literally in his sights. He didn't even have to make a great shot to win the gold medal with his final shot. But then on that last shot, Matt made a mistake that's very rare among elite competitors in in rifle events. Standing in lane two, he raised his rifle and fired at the target in lane three, wiping out any chance that he had for the gold medal. You see, it doesn't matter how accurate you are if you're shooting at the wrong target. And Jesus said that there are people in this world who can be a great success in the eyes of the world, but they waste their lives. They can gain the whole world and lose their souls. Why? Because they don't understand what life is all about. That it's not about them. That it's about God. And it's about living our lives to please him. Don't lose focus. And then if you're going to live as a child of light, do expose the darkness so that people will be drawn to the light. Do expose the darkness so that people will be drawn to the light. Let's look at verse 11. He says, take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. So what happens when we live holy lives, lives that really reflect the light of Christ, what that does is that it sort of, exposes the darkness. You don't know how dark the darkness is until the light begins to shine. And listen, there are a lot of people in this world who they don't understand how dark their lives really are until they get around somebody like you that's capable of shining the light of Christ. And as that happens, you know, as, as, as godly believers get around people who don't yet know the Savior, and they see the difference in our lives, and, and the love of Christ is streaming through our lives, you know, it dawns on them, you know what, there's a different way to live. You know, there's a different way to be a human being in this world. And, 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 and really, that was the power of the early church. I mean, if you want to know how the early church and and Acts just advanced, part of it was their boldness in sharing the gospel, but part of it too was, was that they were so incredibly different from the people that they were around. You know, there's a, there's an early, there's a letter from the second century that historians have discovered. And it was written from It was written by a person who was trying to describe to another person what the Christians were like, what these early believers, these early persecuted believers, what what were they really like? This is called a letter to Diagnetus. Just listen to it. For Christians are not differentiated from other people by country or language or customs. They do not live in cities of their own or speak in some strange dialect. They marry and have children just like everyone else. 
but they do not kill unwanted babies. They offer a shared table, but not a shared bed. They are present in the flesh, but they they, they do not live according to the flesh. They are passing their days on earth, but are citizens of heaven. They obey the appointed laws and go beyond the laws in their own lives. They love everyone, but are persecuted by all. They are put to death and gain life. They are poor and yet make many rich. They are short of everything and yet have plenty of all things. They are dishonored and yet gain glory through dishonor. Their names are blackened and yet they are cleared. They are mocked and blessed and returned. They are treated outrageously and behave respectfully to others. When they do good, they are punished as evildoers. When punished, they rejoice Christians are in the world, but not of the world. Church historian Rodney Stark has written a a wonderful book called The Rise of Christianity, about the the, the rapid expansion of Christianity in the the first few centuries of the church. And and one of the, the things that Stark talks about in that book is there was a city in, in ancient Turkey, which is actually where the, where Ephesus was in the first century, what the nation we now know as Turkey. Um, but Stark tells about this, this city in ancient Turkey uh, where plague broke out. And so there's death all around. People are dying. And the people that were still healthy, that hadn't gotten sick yet, they got out of there just as quickly as they could. All except the Christians. The Christians... Stayed. The healthy Christians stayed. And at the risk of their own lives, they loved on and cared for people who were sick, including those who were not Christians, including those who were not members of their own family, including those who had no obvious connection to them whatsoever. And see, it was that kind of bold love that just won the world to Christ as the light of Christ just shined through his, his people in those first few centuries of, of, of the church. And, and see, that's what was happening. As, this, as, as the love of Christ just shined through his people, then people began to wake up. To the, to, to the gospel, they begin to wake up and, 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 and rise from the state of spiritual death that they were in. And, and that's exactly what Paul was talking about here in, at the end of verse 14. He says, therefore it says, awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Now Paul is quoting something here. What's he quoting? He's quoting an early Christian worship song. We get to peek in on the believers early church worshiping here. Uh, Scholars believe that the lyrics here are from one of the early worship songs that that they sang. So just imagine, we're we're in new surroundings today. Uh, In the early church, there were no buildings whatsoever, so they gathered in, in homes. So just imagine groups of believers gathered in house churches and singing this worship song to God. Awake, O sleeper, 
and arise from the dead and Christ will shine on you. Hey, what's it like when you wake up in the morning? It's different for different people. Okay, for me, um, I wake up 4.30, 5 o'clock in the morning. I don't need an alarm clock. I mean, I get up like clockwork at that time. And immediately when I get up, I am wide awake. I mean, wide awake. My mind is focused. I do my best uh, studying and things like that early in the morning. I've been like this kind of like ever since college. I guess I sort of got into it. But um, I just wake up and I'm just locked in. I'm wide awake, okay? For For the other people in my house, waking up is a different sort of a process, okay? For the two teenagers in my house, it's a really different process because they not only have an alarm clock that goes off, um, but usually the alarm clock is followed by a human being coming into their room, you know, and giving them a verbal reminder. And then that's sometimes followed by one of those human beings, namely a parent, having to gently shake their bodies to get them awake. We all wake up in, in, in different ways. And we wake up from spiritual death in different ways, too. Some people are like the Apostle Paul on the road to Damascus. As the resurrected Christ appears to him and light shines, and Paul goes from being a persecutor of Christians to proclaiming the gospel in just a few short days. For John Wesley on Aldersgate Street, you know, he would never forget the day that he heard the gospel and he felt his heart strangely warmed. And he would always remember that day. And maybe you remember a day like that. For others of you, coming awake spiritually was more of a process. It was something that happened over the course of, of, of days or weeks or maybe even months. But this you know. You know that you are awake. In Christ. And whether that happened in a day or whether it happened over a a course of days, it's vital that you understand that you are awake, that you're spiritually awake in Christ. Because the term here in verse 14 for, for sleep, you know, that's another word for death, you know, for, for spiritual, uh, death. And see, this is why Christianity is not a matter of, um, of, of, of bad people being made good. It's really a matter of dead people being made alive by the power of the gospel. Um, and that's possible because Christ is alive. It's possible because Jesus rose from the dead. And one day he's coming again. And those who sleep in Christ, their bodies are going to be raised from the dead to meet the Lord in the air. But already, if you know Christ, you've passed from death to life in a spiritual sense. There's been a resurrection in your life. And it's possible because of Christ's resurrection. It's possible because Jesus died for sinners like us on the cross because he was raised from the dead. And the call on our lives is to wake up and believe it and to share it with a world that needs to hear it.
Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for the light that has dawned in our lives. We thank you for the resurrection of Christ, which has brought about a new creation. We thank you for the good news that has come to to most of us in this room and that the light has shined into our lives. Lord, we pray that the light would shine through our lives to others. As we just bow before the Lord right now and just, just reflect before him, there's an invitation for you today. You know, maybe you're here this morning and you say, I... You know, Pastor, I'm really not certain that I'm awake in Christ. That's not something that you need to be in doubt about. And you don't have to be because the work has been done. Christ on the cross took your sins and mine upon himself, paid the price, rose from the dead so that we can have eternal life. And if you'll turn to him today in repentance and in faith, Friend, there's life. There's light. Turn to Jesus today. Maybe you're here and you would say, I want to be a part of this faith family of of light. In just a moment, we're going to have a song of invitation. And we'd love to welcome you. If you're here in in need of prayer, we don't want you to leave here unprayed for. We invite you to come. And so, Father, we pray that you would bless now this time of of decision, Um, Lord, we pray that your spirit would have your way in hearts, in lives right now, because these moments count for all eternity. Our lives count for all eternity. May light shine through them, your light, the light of Christ. We pray it in his name. Amen. Let's stand together as we sing. I hope you've been blessed by this message. Christ is the answer for every need, now and for all eternity. As someone once said, Jesus plus nothing equals everything, and everything minus Jesus equals nothing. Have you trusted in Jesus as your Savior? If not, why not now? His arms are open wide to receive you. It may help to pray a prayer like this. Father, I know that you are holy and that I have sinned and fallen short of your glory. I know that you are a righteous God who must punish sin, but I believe that your son Jesus took my punishment for me, died in my place, and rose from the dead so that I could have eternal life. Right now, I turn to Jesus and trust in his finished work for me. In his name I pray, amen. You know, the Bible says this in John 1.12, To all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. And that means that if you've received Christ, God has adopted you as his beloved child, his very own son or daughter. Just imagine it. Almighty God, the Lord of this universe, the one who possesses all authority in heaven and earth, is now your loving father, and you are his child. You say, I love him. How can I honor God with the rest of my life? Well, when you love someone, you want to spend time with them. We get to know God through his word, through prayer, and through his people. I would encourage you to pick up a copy of the Bible and begin to read it. Begin to pour out your heart to him in prayer. And find a church family where the Bible is preached, where Christ is exalted, and where his love is flowing. 
you're local, I want to invite you to the church I pastor, First Baptist Church of Suffolk, Virginia. I'd love to meet you and help you in your Christian journey. I would love to connect you to some other people who love the Lord and who would love you too. Come to one of our services. We worship at 8.30 and 11 on Sunday mornings. Be sure to speak to me before or after the service. Maybe you live outside our area. I'd love for you to write me. My email is pastor at fbcsuffolk.org. Tell me what God is doing in your life. If you have spiritual questions I could help you with, please let me know. We're on this journey together.